2: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the
0: family. VTW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
4: Welcome back to Behind the Bastards, uh, the show where Cody and I just finished laughing about Herman Kane. Not because there's anything funny about a death from COVID-19, but because the Kang gang... The Kane Gang, which are the people who have taken over this dead man's Twitter account, tweeted out an article from HermanKane.com that said, "Resume life as normal." Over 6,500 scientists and health professionals, yada yada. Anyway, it's very they're funny. going strong. Kane he
5: Gang going strong
4: because <laughs> the guy they're named after cannot resume life as normal because COVID killed him.
5: <laughs> I don't know. The article says fine. So mm-hmm. yeah, conflicting reports: one from a ghost uh... and one from the ghost's friends. So. Well, this is probably a bad way to open a podcast about Jordan Peterson,
4: another victim of (laughs) COVID-19, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Is he? Yeah, he got it. Did you not know that? Did I miss that? Oh, Oh, Cody, we're going to have fun in this episode. This is part two of our Jordan B. Peterson episode. Um, Cody Johnston is my guest. Hello. Some more news, other, also a podcast of a similar name. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my former coworker, worker it cracked uh the man who invented
6: are you just the not drive system for the abrams list, tank you're not gonna listen the podcast you do together you're just not gonna do that he's going, you do a he's,
4: podcast going in, together. he's going in order. i cannot if you do confirm a or deny together, that so uh,
5: yeah
4: <laughs> so dr jordan peterson picked a good time to reveal himself as the philosophy daddy of the new right, 2017 was a great year for his brand. Trump was president. New conversations about Western chauvinism were cracking into the mainstream, thanks to the alt-right and groups like the Proud Boys. And Jordan Peterson was among the most popular and highly paid speakers in the country. It is, he, he's, he's super fucking rich. He gets oh, yeah. super fucking that, rich. that
5: 2017 was like his golden yeah. year. Uh, he was doing so good. Skyrocketing.
4: 2018 was a bit better and then things got a lot worse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so well. he was polite uh, and urbane enough that he could avoid being lumped in with every liberal's new boogeyman at the time, the alt-right while still radicalizing mm-hmm. and funneling new members into the alt-right. Uh, some perceptive writers critiqued him for this. My personal favorite being the McLean's writer who declared him the stupid person, smart person.
5: Yeah. Um, yeah. Now that now, a lot yeah. of, I mean a lot that's that describes a lot of people in the, uh, that does describe a lot of people. Uh, vlogosphere. I want to quote from that article.
4: To be clear, Jordan Peterson is not a neo-Nazi, but there's a reason he's as popular as he is on the alt-right. You'll never hear him use the phrase, we must secure a future for our white children. What you will hear is him say that, while there does appear to be a causal relationship between empowering women and economic growth, we have to consider whether this is good for society, because the birth rate is plummeting. That's a quote from Jordan Peterson. Yes, it is. A, yep. He doesn't call for a white ethno state, but he does retweet daily caller articles with opening lines like, Yet again, an American city is being torn apart by black rioters. He has dedicated two and a half hour long YouTube videos to identity politics and the Marxist lie of white privilege. I can't say Marxist lie and not do a Ben Shapiro voice. I'm
6: lie. sorry for that.
5: Yeah, yeah. It's just where I go. It, it require requires a voice every time. Uh, yeah. Whenever I say Antifa, I do that now too. It's like Antifa. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's just uh, it's how funny. it is. It's how it is these days. Yeah.
4: So. Jordan himself was careful to define himself as a classic British liberal. This is not an uncommon line for people to take when they hate things like trans rights, but want to couch their bigotry in an appreciation for debate. You'll never hear hate speech out of Jordan Peterson's mouth, but he will be happy to explain to you and his audience of millions that marginalized groups are infantilized by identity politics and their offense at the racism of his white consumers is part of a culture of victimhood. Again, no racial slurs, but he will explain to you why it's wrong for people to be offended by racial slurs.
5: Essentially, uh-huh. oh yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's why he'll explain like here's why people, it's wrong to be offended by this, or here's why yeah, um, it's natural to like fear people like feel fear the other and things. He's tweeted he once tweeted an article about uh the dangers of diversity and how diversity is bad. Um, oh yeah, and that article was by Steve Saylor from V Dare uh, who is there. Yeah. Literally a guy who invented something called the, uh, the sailor strategy, which was what Trump's strategy was basically like go to the, uh, uh, disaffected, like white, uh, aggrieved white Americans, uh, and play that game. Um, and in the article, uh, he cited a study about how like, yeah, if you, uh, have diversity, um, it causes like some, you know, tension and, uh, between the different groups. um, and he cites that in the article. He doesn't mention the part of the study that points out that. But in the long run, it improves economy and social status. Like over time, diversity improves society. Uh, it's just at the beginning, it you know people are tribal and it causes uh, some strife. Yeah, there's uh, some shit. So it, it's just always interesting whenever uh, a Peterson will. Uh, Share something like that that goes out of its way to not uh, include part of a study that is antithetical to what they're trying to um, to prove. He's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Studious, studious man. Good tweets. Good tort. <sighs>
4: Goddamn. Okay, so Peterson's repeated jabs at identity politics are extremely funny in light of the ways that he's attempted to co-opt indigenous identity for his own crude benefit. Did you know about this, Cody? Did you know about Jordan Peterson's claims that he's been inducted into a, an indigenous tribe? I,
5: I remember this. I, yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Give, it, give it to me. <laughs>
4: in 2018, old tweets of Peterson surfaced wherein he told some sort of joke about an Indian bartender. That's a quote from him. Uh, senator Murray Sinclair, who's a Canadian senator, so like not a real senator, but you know what I'm saying. Um, that was a Canadian joke, not an indigenous person's joke. I'm making fun of Canadians. Um, senator Murray Sinclair, who's who's uh, one of Canada's relatively few uh, indigenous or First Nations uh, senators, got angry because Peterson was furthering stereotypes about drunken Native Americans. We, that's like, a, a goes back a long way. Um, and he also uh, got kind of angry because it's pretty shitty to call indigenous people Indians. Um, shouldn't mm-hmm. do that. There's, I think, uh, different terms that kind of people, certain people prefer, but no one seems to like Indian. Um, yeah, let's yeah. not let's not use that one. Um, one of Jordan's friends defended him by pointing at the guy he had sent the tweet to. Defended him by pointing out that the joke that they were telling about this Indian bartender was about a real incident uh, with a quote self-identified Indian bartender who had duped uh, Peterson's friend out of a bottle of bourbon the night before Peterson was set to become an honorary member of the. Kwakwaka'wak tribe. Um, now, all of this, I'm trying to get it right. I looked it up and everything. I don't normally do that, but yeah. Um, all of this, Hurwitz seemed to suggest, was evidence that Peterson was not biased against Native Americans, uh, which is a, a, a statement that Peterson like liked and seconded on Twitter. Um, So Peterson has repeatedly brought up the fact that he was inducted into the Kwakwaka'wakw tribe in order to defend himself from allegations of racism in 2017 when a commenter (laughs) on Facebook suggested that he was a Klansman. So this guy on Facebook is like, you're basically you're in the KKK. Peterson responded, if by KKK, you mean Kwakwaka'wakw of whose nation I am a member. (laughs) That's not how it
5: works, Jordan. Yeah,
4: very, very good. Now, a reporter from a Canadian online magazine, The Walrus, dug into this, and he found that Peterson also claimed on the jacket of his book, 12 Rules for Life, that he had been inducted into the coastal Pacific Kwakwaka'wakw tribe. The reality of the situation, as The Walrus Mm -hmm. found, was very different. Um, There is a Kwakwaka'wakw artist named Charles Joseph, and numerous interviewers will note that Peterson's house is full of Joseph's work. And we don't know what Peterson did for Charles Joseph, but it was something really Incredible, and like that, he that that Charles Joseph like was deeply uh, impacted by. It was something meaningful enough that Charles Joseph performed a special ritual to induct Jordan Peterson into his family, and as a result, he considers Jordan Peterson to be a brother. This is obviously a huge honor, and it it seems it's very clear that Jordan did something incredible to help Charles. But as the walrus dug, they found out that both Charles Joseph and the Kwakwaka'wakw tribe disagree with Peterson's claims that he's been inducted into the tribe because he was not. um, he was inducted into Charles Joseph's family, but not into the tribe itself. It's a very different thing yeah, and it's a it's very a per- important distinction. it's a distinction. personal
5: thing, yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah. Um, and it, it's Peterson kind of claiming that he's a part of this tribe in order to deflect allegations of racism is a kind of dishonesty. I find particularly off-putting because the real story is perfectly honorable yep. like you helped yep. this man out to such a degree that he inducted you into his family in and especially like that's a that's something that's a to great be proud story. of yeah absolutely exactly, yeah yeah.
5: Um, yeah but he's it's not what yeah. he's saying and especially like in terms of like what he's using the fake story to try to prove yeah
4: uh, it's the kind of thing, were he to respond to someone calling him racist with, well, actually, this one indigenous person I know, like, I did something so good for him that he inducted me into his family. That would sound kind of, like, gross and weird and, like, you were kind of, like, it, 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 and it wouldn't be nearly as snappy as saying, I'm a member of the Kwakwaka'wakw tribe, so, like, how could I right. be racist? Like, yeah, one of them yeah. makes a better debate point and also the more honest version makes it clear, like, hey, dude, you, it seems like you might be kind of, like... Um, cashing in on this.
5: Right. Um, yeah. You're, u- to you're it's using using this thing to like prove uh, this other thing. Yeah. It, it doesn't it doesn't prove it anyway, but also it's weird that you're using this to prove it. Yeah.
4: Now, uh, the reality is that Jordan Peterson is someone who regularly traffics in a kind of intellectual quasi-bigotry masquerading as intellectual curiosity. Some of his best lines include the idea that women were oppressed throughout history is an appalling theory and Islamophobia is a word created by fascists and used by cowards to manipulate morons. White privilege is a Marxist lie and believing that gender identity is subjective is as bad as claiming that the world is flat.
5: Oh, is it? It's as bad as that. Okay. That's good. That's good. That's a lot of a lot of stuff um, from good old Jordan. The IQ stuff is wild. Yeah, uh, yeah, and very related. Yep. He, um, yeah, not uh, not not. I'm not convinced by uh, Jordan Peterson uh, being Jordan inducted, B. Peterson. Uh, fake fake inducted into a, a mm-hmm. real tribe. Yeah, uh, it's weird. Not not as compelling as he thinks it is. No. Now, like Joseph
4: Campbell, who we talked about in our first episode, uh, Jordan Peterson's primary focus seems to have been Marxism. And it seems like this probably started because he considered his fellow professors to have been Marxist. um, And that that kind of he generalized his frustration with these specific people who disagreed with him because he hates it when you disagree Mm -hmm. with him uh, into a broader fear that Marxists worldwide were in the process of conquering every aspect of Western civilization. Peterson tended to use the term postmodern neo-Marxism or cultural Marxism to essentially refer to the same idea. With the fall of the USSR, Marxists lost the war with capitalism, so they decided they had to sneak into the education system and, like, brainwash children's heads Mm with, in Peterson's words, vicious, untenable, and anti-human ideas how i would describe some of his ideas Mm -hmm. one anti-human idea in jordan's uh, reckoning is that a college professor might get in trouble if he specifically refused to refer to a trans person by their chosen pronouns out of spites
5: that's anti-human anti-human yeah oh my god jordan yeah (laughs) it's like the opposite literally the opposite (laughs) like we all have things that frustrate us
4: in society these can be reasonable or not i'm angry that every time I want to just drink one or two beers or a fifth of vodka while driving my forerunner through a, a a trailer park and firing out of the window with an AK forty seven, people get really angry and the police show up. Like I find that anti human, but I understand that like I you know part of living in society is that you 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 take certain actions or don't take certain actions because everyone agrees things work better when you're not shooting up trailer parks yes. drunkenly and you're forerunner all They're, the time. Yes,
6: they do. That's Even society.
5: Though, that's society. Mm-hmm. That's humans. Yeah. It's that's human.
4: That's the way society will be until I win my, my congressional campaign.
6: Dear God. And, yeah. And introduce yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. the, uh, um, the, the, the drunk driving and trailer parks while firing out the window bill, which op- I, I really op- think openly, gonna,
5: openly a cult vote for me. I'm yeah. a cult. <laughs>
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: It's good. So uh, in a battle with stakes as high
4: as the survival of Western civilization, Dr. Peterson is willing to justify fighting dirty. He calls ideas he disagrees with in debates, silly, ridiculous, absurd, insane. Debates are described as combat, and his followers seem to respond well to this. In a few seconds of searching, it took no time at all. I found videos titled, Jordan Peterson Destroys Islam in 15 Seconds, mm-hmm. more than 2 million views. Jordan Peterson Destroying Feminists, a compilation video with 349 views, and watch angry Jordan Peterson get up and destroy student who tried to smear him, 741,000 views. Now, the fundamentally combative nature of the debates Peterson prefers to engage him led him to tell Camille Paglia in a 2017 interview, if you're talking to a man who wouldn't fight with you under any circumstances whatsoever, then you're talking to someone for whom you have absolutely no respect. He went on to explain that he has more trouble dealing with crazy women because he cannot hit them. <laughs>
5: <laughs> mm-hmm. I, uh, I remember that's a, how can you a, argue with someone if you can't hit them only. exactly yeah. if you don't if you don't uh it's also yeah. like this is wild because he's also the kind of guy who'd be like well don't punch a nazi right
4: yeah well yeah antifa's bad because they punch nazis also yeah. i don't respect anyone who won't fight <laughs> exactly um he's mm-hmm. uh, consistently inconsistent it's a beautiful thing and all of that might make you think that dr jordan balthazar peterson might be less of a free speech buff than he appears to be the Guardian even notes, quote, Peterson's commitment to unfettered free speech is questionable. Once you believe in a powerful and malign conspiracy, you start to justify extreme measures. Last July, he announced plans to launch a website that would help students and parents identify and avoid corrupt courses with postmodern content. Within five years, he hoped this would starve postmodern neo-Marxist cult classes into oblivion. Peterson shelved the plan after a backlash, acknowledging that it might add excessively to current polarization. Who could have predicted that blacklisting fellow professors might
5: exacerbate polarization? Wild, Apparently not the
4: most influential public intellectual in the
5: Western world. Yeah. Yeah, he likes suing people, too. He does. Uh, he loves suing people. He uh maybe like it, it's just uh, like imagine what he would say if anyone else did the same thing about him or the mm-hmm. things that he says. Just imagine What his response would be to that. And like the idea that he needed a backlash to be like, oh, maybe this would maybe this would cause some problems. Yep. Maybe.
4: Maybe, 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 maybe. So Jordan made buckets of money in 2017, but his depression and his persistent feelings of imminent doom continued to follow him. He told the Ottawa citizen, quote, in a sensible world, I would have got my 15 minutes of fame. I feel like I'm surfing a giant wave and it could come crashing down and wipe me out or I could write it and continue. All of those options are equally plausible. Keep that in mind, too. (laughs) 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 Now, meanwhile, people who had befriended, supported, and aided Jordan throughout his career increasingly felt frightened and betrayed by the path he was taking. His old mentor, Professor Schiff, wrote that things between them grew heated after Peterson's famous opposition to C-16. Quote, this is from Professor Schiff. I have a trans daughter, but that was hardly an issue compared to what I felt was a betrayal of my trust and confidence in him It was an abuse of the trust that comes with his professorial position Which I had fought for to have misrepresented gender science by dismissing the evidence that the relationship of gender to biology Is not absolute and to have made the claim that he could be jailed when at worst he could be fined In his defense, Jordan told me that if he refused to pay the fine, he could go to jail That is not the same as being jailed for what you say But it did ennoble him as a would-be martyr in the defense of free speech
5: yeah, um, it did, and he knows it. Um, a lot of his behavior in 2016, mm-hmm. 2017, 2018, is, uh, it becomes very clear, like we talked about earlier in the previous episode about his sort of, uh, whether it was intentional or not, uh, research into what, uh, what influences people and how to get mm-hmm. people on board with something, uh, with an idea, with an ideology, with uh, belief the capital b belief what why yeah. how and why do people believe um and what brings people to uh to believe in like authoritarianism um and it, it yeah he he knows he knows what he's doing he knows he knows, he knows. exactly what he's doing he knows he, he knows. knows exactly what he's doing um yeah it's a he knows he knows a lot of things that he uh pretends to not know it's wild even just like watching. Clips mm-hmm. of him talk about different things uh, in similar ways. There's a you can find a few uh, few clips of him talking on various podcasts about uh, Hitler specifically uh, and the mm-hmm. rise of Hitler. Uh, sometimes he rationalizes it. It's like, well, if you have this chaos, you you look for somebody to uh, to bring order and make sense of that. And uh, it could be it could be viewed as like Hitler apologia. But um, yeah. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and just say uh, he is explaining what people. Uh, were feeling during the rise of Nazi Germany. He has a whole video on, like, you would have been mm-hmm. a Nazi. And, like, people, if you were there, you probably would have been a Nazi. That's how the culture and society works. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think uh, Jordan Peterson is a Nazi. He definitely would have been one. Also,
4: um, yeah, most people weren't Nazis until the Nazi. Like, even when the Nazis were in power, Nazi party membership was, was not everybody. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, Jordan is... Um, I don't know. I do the same thing. The episode that's running the week that we're recording this is largely about how normal people became Nazis and how they, the scariest thing about it is that a lot of people who were not monsters supported the Nazi party because of a lot of really uncomfortable realities of the human condition i think there's a responsible way and an irresponsible way to talk about that the responsible way is to try to inform people of the dangers in their own thinking and the dangers in just sort of like people's desire for safety and stability that can lead them to support at least tacitly terrible things and being like well you would have supported the nazis so like why are
5: you judgmental about nazis
4: (laughs) Mm, yeah yeah yeah.
5: um yeah and he he even has um in contrast, you can hear him talk about Trump a little bit in 2017, 2018. Um, and in describing the appeal of Donald Trump, uh, it is uh, indistinguishable from him talking about Hitler. Um, in Weird In terms that. of the, uh, the chaos and the order and the things that people want and the, the, their fears and how Trump is capitalizing on that. But he doesn't make, he ever make that connection. He's never, he he, he uh, yep. presents it as uh, positive um and not something to be concerned about uh he's never really criticized donald trump uh for any of those reasons uh while at the same time whenever talking about hitler being uh the exact same way you could enter it you could replace the names and it would still be um it would sound the same
4: now cody you know who won't apologize for the rise of fascism do they make uh beautiful beautiful weapons Oh, well, Raytheon. No, of course not. Raytheon would (laughs) never apologize for anything. That's why you buy Raytheon products. Raytheon, never apologize. Never
5: apologize.
4: (laughs) Here's some other
5: ads.
4: (laughs) The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game.
0: I want to be remembered
1: for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
4: My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at $15 a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This is
3: it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults you know you're worth it we do too so don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu we're back Uh yes. okay ah, yes so Huzzah. uh
4: now we, we were talking about schiff uh professor schiff uh, jordan peterson's old mentor Um, Mm -mm. And kind of like that writer with The Guardian we quoted earlier, Schiff is particularly concerned with Peterson's conditional support of free speech. He knows Peterson well, and he began to see some pretty fashy tendencies from his former friend. Chief among them were Peterson's relentless focus on transgender and gender nonconforming people. And here's something that's basically what you said earlier, Cody. Jordan has studied and understands authoritarian demagogic leaders. They know how to attract a following. In an interview with Ethan Klein in an H3 podcast, Jordan describes how such leaders learn to repeat those things which make the crowd roar and not repeat those things that do not. The crowd roared the first time Jordan opposed the so-called transgender agenda. Perhaps they would roar again, whether it made sense or not. But why transgender in the first place? In that same interview, Jordan cites Carl Jung, who talked about the effectiveness of powerful emotional oratorical skills to tap into the collective unconscious of a people and into their anger, resentment, fear of chaos, and need for order. He talked about how those demagogic leaders led by acting out the dark desires of the mob. Yep. <laughs> 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 yeah.
5: Uh, yeah. Cool. Got him get Uh, him (laughs) uh, yeah i mean that's yeah that's it it's uh it's when you Mm -hmm. just a little delving in you really see what he's doing um yeah not hard not hard not
4: super complicated in 2018, a massive douche canoe named Eric Weinstein first used the term intellectual dark web on yes. Sam Harris's Waking Up podcast. Now, the official intellectual dark web website lists him as a vanguard of the IDW alongside Dr. Jordan Peterson. Interestingly, it calls Eric a left wing person, which is fun because he's the managing director of Teal Capital. Teal
5: Capital. Why is he never he never address that? No one ever brings it up. It's wild that he can still make that claim. Yeah, unbelievable. What-
4: What is funny is that while Peterson himself uh, doesn't like to identify as right wing, the Intellectual Dark Web website does identify him as right wing because like a whole part of its whole thing is that these guys are people who come from every side of the political spectrum. Exactly. Yes. I'll read you how the website describes the men of the Intellectual Dark Web. (laughs) They all share two distinct and now uncommon qualities. First, they are willing to disagree fiercely, but talk civilly about nearly every meaningful subject worthy of public discourse, religion, abortion, gender identity, race. Immigration, the nature of consciousness. Many of the opinions they hold on such topics can sometimes be in contrast with the orthodox opinion of their respective tribe. Second, they are intellectually honest and thus resist parroting what's politically convenient or politically correct. Notable that not on that list of things worth discussing is economics. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's weird that's, that's funny this,
5: yeah what, yeah what is, yeah no we've 20.
4: got uh religion abortion gender identity race immigration the nature of consciousness all the things that are worth that's talking it, that's about
5: it. those are all those are all the things we, we not economics because uh, all of these people are rich as shit and they because that's mm-hmm. the thing they agree on oh my god mm-hmm. this list of people is really it, depressing <laughs> it's it's awesome it fucking rules
4: dude so <laughs> Yeah. Later in 2018, New York Times editor Barry Weiss published a fawning article on this set titled Meet the Renegades of the Intellectual Dark Web. Oh, fuck.
5: It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Those photos of them in the woods,
4: man. I will argue sit alone in your own room and read the title of that New York Times article to yourself while looking at the picture that leads the article and tell me that you don't, for a second, inhabit the mental space of a high school bully who just wants to dunk someone's head in a toilet. Like, just, just do it, try it. Do it's your best to impossible. not feel
5: that it's good, impossible. Good luck, Godspeed, because my God, oh my God, that photo, take, do another one, take another photo. I know, it's amazing. Did you have like one shot left? My
4: goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad article about people uh, I hate in some uh, cases, people I personally hate because Claire lemon's on there. And Claire Lehman basically said it was okay. That really wonderful people like uh, Jason Wilson of the guardian, who's one of the best reporters in the entire country deserve to have death threats put against him. Cause Claire Lehman is, sucks. She's the editor. Yeah, well, she's, that, awful, she's, she's trash. Awful. Um, you can read the article if you want, but the fact that nearly all these guys have only grown less relevant in the last two years ought to say something. But during the first half of the Trump regime, Jordan B. Peterson never found a culture war he wouldn't throw some bullets towards. When James Damore, the Google engineer, was filed for writing about the company's ideological echo chamber, Peterson spoke out in his defense. He repeatedly brought the engineer up in debates as evidence that talk about discrimination of marginalized groups was overblown, and white men were the real victims. In part on the strength of his endorsement, uh, by Peterson and other IDW types, James Damore filed a lawsuit against Google. He dropped it earlier this year with the exact nature of the resolution unknown. Uh, Harmeet Dillon, I think, was the lawyer in charge of that case who also threatened me with a lawsuit for telling the truth about Andy No, which is Ooh. that he's a giant piece of shit and a grifter. I ignored yeah. the lawsuit. Fuck it. Like, he didn't never did anything because... It was. It's a thing that lawyers do sometimes if they're shady where they like throw out bullshit cease and desist to try to stop speech they don't like because yep. people think that there's actually legal weight behind those things generally isn't. Fuck them. Um, yeah. So it's worth noting that there were basically no stories about James Damore from like 2018 up until the case was dropped earlier this year. The only other article I found mentioning him recently was a Telegraph article about how a bunch of Silicon Valley firms were hiring white supremacy consultants to avoid bringing people like Damore on in the future, which is funny because Harmeet Dillon was like, oh, this case is really going to make them think twice before they do this again. And what it actually made them do is be like, oh, we actually need to hire people to make sure we're not hiring white supremacists. This seems to be a problem.
5: Yes. It's very funny. Uh, That's very funny. (laughs) Oh, the little little joys. It's the little things. It's the little things in life. You treasure
4: on January 16th, 2018, Jordan Balthazar Peterson published his second book, 12 rules for life An antidote to chaos. Unlike the sprawling and complex maps of meaning, 12 rules is short pointed and targeted directly at insecure men. Peterson writes men have to toughen up men demand it and women want it. (laughs) His first rule is uh, stand up straight with your shoulders back. And of course, that's not a bad thing. Good posture is perfectly healthy. And it's good. most of us could stand to have better posture. Absolutely. Absolutely. Most of his rules are not inherently unreasonable. And in fact, part of what he did in this book was write out something that basically anyone could read through and be like, oh, yeah, pretty reasonable stuff. It is um, a standard
5: the- self-help help book it is very general standard. advice yes. be like yeah. be, believe believe in yourself <laughs> like you clean your yeah. room and shit like that
4: there's some shit sinister shit under the surface which we'll yes. talk about but i want to summarize the main points he makes the main rules for life uh, a psychology today article written by the same phd who reviewed maps of meaning we quoted from that earlier and we'll quote from it in a little bit too summarizes the surface content of 12 rules for life thusly stand up for yourself take care of yourself. Make friends. Don't compare yourself to others. Mind your children. Set your house in order. Pursue meaning. Tell the truth. Listen to people. Be precise. Give children freedom and enjoy pets. Oh, they good. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that.
5: It's
6: Not all yeah, fine you know, enough. Basic. Mind yeah. your children. Give your children freedom. Well, yeah, you got to
5: do both. Yeah. You got to do it's, both. Interesting thing about the mind your children is that the real rule is don't let your child do anything that makes you dislike them. Yes, yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, that review continues. Part of Peterson's appeal comes through lively stories from the Bible, fairy tales, his personal life, and his practice as a clinical psychologist. All benign enough, again. But it's when you read into the book that fucked up shit starts to bubble up. Like the line, Consciousness is symbolically masculine and has been since the beginning of time. And also, The soul of the individual eternally hungers for the heroism of genuine being. Now, I don't know how that line reads to normies, um, but uh, it seems pretty fashy uh, to me, and also to Pankaj Mishra, who wrote that article about fascist mysticism and Jordan Peterson for the New York Review of Books. Pankaj writes that Peterson basically positions his book as an answer to the crisis facing Western civilization. Quote, Peterson diagnoses this crisis as a loss of faith in old verities. In the West, he writes, we have been withdrawing from our tradition, religion, and even nation centered cultures. Peterson offers to alleviate the resulting desperation of meaninglessness with a return to ancient wisdom. It is possible to avoid nihilism, he asserts, and to find sufficient meaning in individual consciousness and experience with the help of the great myths and religious stories of the past. Quote, Following Carl Jung, Peterson identifies archetypes in myths, dreams, and religions, which have apparently defined truths of the human condition since the beginning of time. Culture, one of his typical arguments goes, is symbolically, archetypally, mythically male, and this is why resistance to male dominance is unnatural. Men represent order, and chaos, the unknown, is symbolically associated with the feminine. Now, mm-hmm.
5: it's just reading like all that,
4: no, nah, yeah, Sorry. fuck it reading all of this made me think back to that first Psychology Today review the one that focused on maps of meaning quote the assumption of the cultural universality of myths is important for Peterson because he wants mythology to provide the basis for the psychological philosophical and political understanding of morality but his evidence for the generality of such myths is limited to the tradition that runs from Mesopotamia through Judaism to Christianity with occasional references to Buddhism counter to cultural universality are abundant such as the Pirahat people of Brazil who have no creation myths or interest in beliefs that go beyond personal experience. The Iroquois people of North America do have myths about creation and other aspects of the world, but they do not follow the father-mother-son motif that Peterson thinks is universal. Chinese mythology includes many gods, but no indication of the heroic son that Peterson overgeneralizes from Christianity. So again, Peterson would never be so crude to like a proud boy declare that West is best or advocate for open white supremacy because that would be risking his following and his money. Instead, he declares that the myths he uses to base his moral system that he thinks everyone should follow in the whole world, that those myths are universal to all cultures, while deliberately excluding any discussion of cultures whose myths don't support his beliefs. It's a kind of internal ideological ethnic cleansing, and Jordan B. Peterson is very good at it. In interviews, Dr. Peterson is clear that fascism and authoritarianism is bad. At the same time, he regularly reinforces the arguments made by fascists and authoritarians in his work. From the New York Review of Books, quote, Those embattled against political correctness on university campuses will heartily endorse Peterson's claim that there are whole disciplines in universities forthrightly hostile towards men. Islamophobes will take heart from his speculation that feminists avoid criticizing Islam because they unconsciously long for masculine dominance. Libertarians will cheer Peterson's glorification of the individual striver and his stern message to the left behinds. Maybe it's not the world that's at fault. Maybe it's you. You failed to make the mark. The demagogues of our age don't read much, but as they ruthlessly crack down on refugees and immigrants... They can derive much philosophical backup from Peterson's subchapter headings. Compassion is a vice, and toughen up, you weasel.
5: That's yeah, yep, yep. It's all there. He's uh, he's mm-hmm. really skilled at not saying it, mm-hmm. not saying quite. Not mm-hmm. it gets you a little. He gets you there. He's laying the foundation. Yep.
4: Yeah, and and that article on Peterson and fascist mysticism gets into what's problematic about stuff like compassion is a vice and toughen up, you weasel. Problematic beyond what you might initially assume quote, Peterson rails today against softness, arguing that men have been pushed too hard to feminize. In his best-selling book, Degeneration, the Zionist critic Max Nordau amplified more than a century before Peterson the fear that empires and nations of the West are populated by the weak-willed, the effeminate, and the degenerate. The French philosopher Georges Sorel identified myth as the necessary antidote to decadence and spur to rejuvenation. An intellectual inspiration to fascists across Europe, Sorel was particularly nostalgic about the patriarchal systems of ancient Israel and Greece. It was against this eerily familiar background, a revolt against the modern world, as the title of Evola's 1934 book put it, that demagogues emerged so quickly in 20th century Europe and managed to exalt national and racial myths as the true source of individual and collective health. The drastic individual makeover demanded by the visionaries turned out to require a mass coerced retreat from failed liberal modernity into an idealized traditional realm of myth and ritual.
5: That all scans to you, Cody. (laughs) That all scans real, real well. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's a. Uh, There's a. uh, There's just a lot there that he doesn't. Yeah. It's it's like it's this. I mean, it's the constant rejection of modernity, and it's like it's contempt for the weak is what it really comes down to. Uh, Like contempt for and resentment of. Uh, what you perceive as weakness or weak people, weak types of people, uh, weak weak ways of thinking. Um, And uh, again, it's not like on its face, you're not like, that's fascism. But like, you just like a little, uh, dig a little deeper, scratch a little bit or like go a little further to what, like what's the next step? What's the, like extrapolate for a bit. What do you think should happen then? Um, also side note, I think his weird thing about, uh, uh, we need to get back to like why all the Marxists and there, uh, we're getting away from nation centered cultures. Do you think like maybe part of just like the natural reason that we're getting away from nation centered cultures is because like the internet connects people instantly across the globe yeah. and like we yeah. as, as humans are like evolving across the, like
4: it's. Yeah. Maybe if you have a bunch of friends who like, because of some weird lines on a map, can't ever visit you or you can't visit them. Maybe you start to be like, Oh, huh. Well, this seems like a That's bad weird. idea. Maybe, Maybe, we we do do yeah. Maybe we should do something. Yeah, we should do something else.
5: <laughs> Maybe the best idea for how we organize the world wasn't uh, thought up like hundreds of years ago by a bunch yeah. of fucking. Like, Maybe there's a better
4: thing than nations. Yeah, like yeah. What Imagine about not nations. What about horizontal methods of social organization that avoid vesting unreasonable powers in individual human beings who are never fit to wield it? I don't know sorry i'm just you're
5: you're anti hierarchical i'm anti-human yeah yeah Yeah, it's anti-human for sure it's (laughs) anti-human urging us to be more connected and equal uh across the globe is anti-human very good
4: yes fundamentally which is why i'm very pro-robot and why my entire house is nothing but amazon alexas and a filthy mattress Now, in Maps of Meeting, Jordan Peterson analyzed a number of authoritarian regimes and totalitarian crimes. He came away with the conclusion that the heroic individual was the only way to avoid such horrors. On page 313, he notes, The hero rejects identification with the group as the ideal of life, preferring to follow the dictates of his conscience and his heart. His identification with meaning and his refusal to sacrifice meaning for security renders existence acceptable despite its tragedy. And on page 483, a society predicated upon belief in the paramount divinity of the individual allows paramount interest to flourish and to serve as the power that opposes the tyranny of culture and the terror of nature.
5: He's really, he's yeah. just like really good at obfuscating uh, yeah. <laughs> what he's saying with his with this language. Uh, I, I think it's, I've mentioned this a few before. I, wish he, I wish he wrote a novel. Yeah.
4: Yeah it's fake profundity to convince people that anything you're not, you don't personally like is an assault on you, but mm-hmm. anything you want to do, if someone tries to stop you, it means that they're, they're bad. Tyranny um, of
5: culture or whatever. Uh, yeah. you know, who likes yep. cults of heroism? Nazis, Nazis.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the um, one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's also worth noting that not only does Nazi or fascism in particular, as Umberto Eco noted, have an obsession with the cult of the hero, but also the story of fascism's rise in Europe is the story of a lot of individual heroic people who failed to stop Nazism from happening. You can say the same thing for the horrible crimes committed in, you know, the USSR and Maoist China. There were a lot of decent, individual, heroic people who were like, this is a bad idea. We shouldn't do this. And they didn't get their way because individuals have very limited power. And perhaps if people in, say, Weimar Germany had been less obsessed with their own personal lives and their own personal political opinions, uh, with cleaning their rooms, so to speak, uh, and perhaps if more of them had been willing to get out on the street and organize together and physically resist, perhaps then Nazism would not have risen the way that it did. Perhaps.
6: Perhaps. Um,
5: Counterpoint. um, The idea of consciousness within our... um, And then he trails off and then we we give him money, right? That's how it works. Yeah, exactly.
4: Dislike. Peterson views totalitarianism as a spiritual problem. According to Psychology Today, he contends that it is the result of neglecting the moral tradition rooted in Christianity. The best way to resolve this problem is spiritual, based on the divinity of the individual. For Peterson, the solution to totalitarianism is a combination of religion and individualism. Now, I happen to find this fascinating when you juxtapose it with a passage from another wonderful book about Peterson in The New Yorker. It notes, or no, one, another wonderful article about Peterson in The New Yorker. It notes, Peterson seems to view Trump, by contrast, as a symptom of modern problems rather than a cause of them. He suggests that Trump's rise was unfortunate but inevitable. Part of the same process, he writes, as the rise of the far-right politicians in Europe. If men are pushed too hard to feminize, he warns, they will become more and more interested in harsh, fascist political ideology. Peterson, sometimes Sometimes asks audiences to view him as an alternative to political excesses on both sides. During an interview on BBC Radio 5, he said, I've had thousands of letters from people who were tempted by the blandishments of the radical right who have moved towards the reasonable center as a consequence of watching my videos. But he typically sees liberals or leftists or postmodernists as aggressors, which leads him, rather ironically, to frame some of those on the radical right as victims.
5: Yeah, yeah, he does yep. do that. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting because there's, uh, I mean... I don't think it's controversial to say that Donald Trump and the rise of Trump is a symptom of society's problems as opposed to the cause of them. Sure. Um, but, it is uh, the cause of some problems, but yes. Oh, oh it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's definitely the cause of like a lot of our problems these days and exacerbates a lot of our problems. But like society uh, was uh, suffering for a lot of reasons and uh, that's what strong men do. They, they, they demagogue, they come in, and they say, I can solve, I can fix all your problems. Um, but the way Jordan talks about it, uh, it's, he, it's justifying it it's not like his his, his prescription is not uh, oh yeah like uh, this inequality or like this or like uh, people's material needs or anything like that it's like oh yeah Trump was inevitable and he's going to bring order to the chaos mm-hmm. um, because all these people uh, are victims and they need a, uh, a, a man to come in and, and solve their problems uh, and bring order to that chaos mm-hmm. like uh, another guy he's talked about in the exact same way um, or another option, we could go to Mr. Peterson and see what he wants us to do and just yeah. sort of listen to him and his every word. There's a fun yeah. little, uh, interview, uh, I forget who was interviewing him. He's asked about his fans and, uh, his response is, I don't have fans. And he doesn't oh. finish it. He doesn't finish his thought, but he does, he mm-hmm. does have followers.
4: Yes, he does.
5: That is the word he was alluding to.
4: Yep. 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 I may have to create a counter cult to deal with his cult. Sophie. Robert. Sophie, can we um, can we look into uh, how many people I have to have worshipping my words in order to buy like an arms export license and, I don't know, create some sort of... We should we should talk about this offline. Um, sure. But I, I do, I think we should get maybe maybe loop the fine folks at Raytheon in on that call. It's um, worth looking into. Sure. For sure. Yeah, this will be great. Gotta get that land in Idaho, too. So, Peterson talks a good game about the horrors of Nazism, but his rhetoric very often turns worryingly close to the exact same shit Nazis used to say back (laughs) in the 20s and 30s. For example, liberals, he says, are always talking about the importance of compassion, and yet there's nothing more horrible for children and developing people than an excess of compassion. This horror, he says, is embodied in the figure of the Freudian devouring mother. As an example, he cites Ursula, the sea witch from The Little Mermaid.
5: Oh, he loves Disney. Oh, he loves how Disney is mm-hmm. destroyed. And it's never mm-hmm. like the real, like, yeah, Disney's like this media conglomerate. They own everything and that's bad. But it's always like it's propaganda to tell you that your daughter can do what she wants.
4: Uh. It, it's, it's more to me, his obsession with how compassion is bad and how softness is a problem mm-hmm. in society. Because... Yeah, uh, it's familiar if you read a fuckload of Hitler speeches because yeah. one of Hitler's favorite words was hardness and how mm-hmm. people, German men needed to be harder. How like w- w- Germany needed to raise up a generation that was as hard as Kruppstahl, which is like a specific kind of sh- yeah. steel yeah. made by a Microsoft German weapons days. manufacturer. Yeah. 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 Now, German Mor- Hitler thought that German men were going to need to be as hard as steel if they were going to steer their nation back from the brink of despair because it was going to require them to do unpleasant things. Things. Mm. I want to quote Mm. now from an article in the Journal of Central European History by Thomas Kuhn. Uh, The article's title is Protean Masculinity, Hegemonic Masculinity, Soldiers in the Third Reich. Hegemonic masculinity in Nazi Germany, as well as in many militarized societies around the globe, meant physical, emotional, and moral hardness. The ideal man embodied by the soldier was tough and aggressive, in control of his body, mind, and psyche. He did not hesitate to sacrifice life and limb on behalf of the fatherland, or to subordinate his individuality under the command of a conformist group of comrades. Whereas many scholars have already stressed these features of hegemonic masculinity, this article argues that the act of soldiering provided men with a male identity that was ultimately not defined by the repudiation, but rather integration of what was and is often coded as feminine. In the social practice of male interaction, diversity and flexibility were needed, thus allowing for the display of femininely coded behavior like affection, tenderness, empathy, caring, and tolerance towards emotional breakdowns and moments of weakness in their midst. Thanks to its inclusive nature, such protean masculinity enabled different types of soldiermen to establish male identities. It also allowed them to switch among different emotional and moral states without losing their manliness. Yet this was true only if the predominance of hardness was respected. Eventually, protean masculinity integrated diverse men in diverse emotional and moral conditions into a fighting unit and in the case of the third Reich, into a genocidal society. So this idea that like they had to they had to reject femininity, but also Feminine traits or traits they considered feminine were inherent aspects of the people they needed to make into soldiers. So the thing that was most important for the Nazis was to develop this idea of hardness. And you could break down, you could be emotional, you could cry, you could be like fucked up by the violent acts you were committing. As long as you exhibited that hardness, that was all that mattered because the essence of masculinity was a willingness to do hard things
5: as specified by brutality, right? Like that's- To do do it anyway, even though you're gonna have that reaction to it. Um, but you mm-hmm. still do it and you can still keep doing it.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: Which is why there's actually quite a few stories about men like shooting thousands of Jewish people to death and like weeping while they did it. But like they still did it. They still you did know? it. Yeah. They're hard. They're hard enough. Hard men.
0: <clears throat>
4: I'm proud of us for saying hardness this many times and not making an erection joke, Cody. I
5: think we did a great job. I think we're still doing we a did. really good job. And referencing yeah, that we did didn't job. do it, it doesn't count as doing it, so.
4: It does not. I just think our, the kind of heroism that we exhibited there should be celebrated. Yeah, we deserve I credit say. for that. So do you want to know how yeah. you
6: should celebrate, Robert?
4: You know what will make erection jokes while quoting Hitler's speeches?
6: That's exactly what I was going to say.
4: The products and services that support this podcast.
6: Fantastic. I can't
4: wait to hear both of those things said by them.
3: At PurdueGlobal.edu.
4: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We've all got a lot going on right now, especially this year. A lot of stress, different stresses, big things, small things, medium things, family things, friend things, love one things, just, you know, things. And when we keep those things bottled up, they can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a good way to get those things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy's helped me learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. And therapy can empower you to be, you know, a better or at least happier version of yourself. It's not just for people who have experienced trauma or who are dealing with something immediate and serious. It can just be a way to kind of perform maintenance on your own person. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com behind today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P dot behind. We're back! So, uh, Jordan Peterson is just a teacher. You know, he's a lecturer, he's an author, and one might argue that it's silly to keep harping on what an obvious fascist the dude is, given his distance from any kind of actual power. But according to Professor Schiff, Dr. Peterson has, in fact, seriously considered getting into politics and grabbing power. He seriously investigated the possibility of running for leadership of the Federal Conservative Party of Canada. While he was discouraged in pursuing this by influential friends, he did stick his hand into Canadian politics, pushing party leader Andrew Scheer to propose that university funding be cut by 25% until politically correct schools were reined in.
5: (laughs) Well, weirdo.
4: Yeah. Might not be free speech if you're doing that, I'd say. In 2000, yeah. In 2019, he went to D.C. where he lectured Congress about bipartisanship, which, again, might sound great if you don't remember the weird shit Peterson's been saying about wanting to save people from both political extremes via his weird quasi-Christian sort of fascist mystical morality bullshit.
5: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a you little know, questionable, maybe. Uh, yeah. It's frustrating to have to know, like, everything the man's written and said to really, like, yeah. approach uh, everything he does with, like, well, okay, you do this, but also... Mm.
4: Yeah, I think it's fine to just see what experts in his field have have said and also to analyze a lot of the things that he's said, um, but not all of them, because that's an unreasonable bar to hold someone to before critiquing them.
5: Yeah, yeah. So
4: once he got famous, obviously, he started thinking about getting into politics, and maybe he'll try to do that someday. But before he got famous and politics seemed like a less realistic career choice for him, he was still veering in a distinctly unsettling direction and going away from traditional academia, which had never really been his bag. From Professor Schiff's article, quote, Several years ago, Jordan Peterson told me he wanted to buy a church. This was long before he became known as the most influential public intellectual in the Western world, as he was described in the pages of the New York Times a few months ago. It was before he was fancied to be a truth-telling sage who inspired legions and the author of one of the best-selling books in the world this year. He was just my colleague and friend. I assumed that this was for a new home. There was a trend in Toronto of converting religious spaces, vacant because of their dwindling congregations, into stylish lofts. But he corrected me. He wanted to establish a church, he said, in which he would deliver sermons every sunday now (laughs) professor schiff knows peterson better and has known him longer than i would say any members of the intellectual dark web to be certain and than most people um by late 2018 schiff was worried enough about his friend that he published this article which was clearly a very painful decision for him to make again he he let this guy live in his house for like six months yeah um yeah
5: yeah. fought for him to get all these promotions like they were like yeah yeah. You
4: fought for him to get money and promote. Yeah. Like was a very <laughs> dedicated friend. Professionally and it, personally.
5: Like, yeah. and yeah. you
4: can, and if you read the article, which I recommend, it's clearly a, was a painful article for him to write. Um, And he went through a lot of long arguments with Jordan first, trying to turn him away from what she've considered an increasingly frightening path. You don't understand. I am willing to lose everything, my home, my job, etc., because I believe in this. And then he said with the intensity he's now famous for Bernie, Tammy had a dream, and sometimes her dreams are prophetic. She dreamed that it was five minutes to midnight. That was our last conversation. He was playing out the ideas that appeared in his first book. The social order is coming apart. We're on the edge of chaos. He is the prophet and the would-be martyr. Jordan would be our savior. I think he believes that.
5: I am so happy we finally got here. I've been been holding on to this for so long. I know. know. All right. Let it loose, man. It's just beautiful. It's my favorite thing about him. It's my favorite fact that nobody seems to know. This is like something that like when you explain, like when you describe this to them, they're like, oh, wait, why does anybody take this man seriously? Um, He wanted to buy a church to give weekly sermons to people And believes that his wife has prophetic dreams about the end of the world and that he is the man that is going to save the world. He thinks Mm -hmm. that there are allusions to it in Maps of Meaning where he's the guy who's going to like save the world. But he literally said that he thinks that he is that because his wife has prophetic dreams. It's wild. Awesome. I'm so happy we finally got here. It all makes sense once you like once like what that little bit. Once you know that, yeah, it's all, yeah, yeah.
4: He sees himself as I don't know some sort of almost supernatural leader who's maybe like 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 on a on a on a a a subconscious like epochal level welded to a people. Mm -hmm. I don't
5: know. You might call it like (laughs) a leader principle that like. Anyway, yeah. whatever. Like, man, like, it Jeremy represents, Peter's. like, the, like, the, like, spirit of a nation, sort of, like, this sort of, like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah, like, he embodies the will of a people in his, in mm-hmm. his, in his living soul, and mm-hmm. thus anything he thinks has to be the correct way for things to go, because he's speaking through the supernatural, he's, like, like, reality of the He's speaking of the, deep the truths of, the people. of a yeah. people, exactly. Yeah. yeah, universal truths, yes. Uh-huh.
5: Oh, God. All right. Oh. Yeah. So I've yeah. been like, oh, I've been itching them. So I have yeah. this relief. I just feel relief now, yeah. now that we've yeah. gotten here.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know precisely what path Jordan B. Peterson was on as 2019 dawned, what he was going to do next in his career. Uh, it's possible his ambitions wouldn't have gone much beyond motivational talks and self-help books, but Professor Schiff does not seem to think this was the case. That's why he wrote this article. Quote, what I am seeing now is a darker, angrier Jordan than the man I knew. In Karen Heller's recent profile in the Washington Post, he is candid about his long history of depression. Depression is an awful illness. It is a cognitive disorder that casts a dark shadow over everything. His view of life as nasty and brutish may very well not be an idea, but a description of his experience, which became for him the truth. But this next statement from Heller's article is heartbreaking. You have an evil heart like the person next to you, she quotes him as telling a soul-out crowd. Kids are not innately good, and neither are
5: you. Ew. Yeah. Man. That is yeah bleak. Yeah. <laughs> like. It is very bleak. And it's one
4: of those things that like, if you don't think too much about it, you might not analyze it. Because like, it's one thing to say, kids aren't inherently good, because nothing is, no one's inherently good. But people aren't inherently evil either. They're inherently yeah. self-oriented. And that takes some like personal growth to escape to the degree that's necessary to participate in a functional society. Sure. But not sure. evil.
5: Like. Yeah. That's real intense. Yeah. That's real. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it shows that he's kind of selling something. Um, yeah, it sure does.
4: Now we may never know the next act Jordan B Peterson had planned, <laughs> because his own life seems to have encountered this a disruption since then. Ooh, <laughs> Chaos, boy. you might say, has Chaos triumphed over his internal upon order.
5: Jordan yeah. Peterson.
4: Chaos in the form of his daughter Michaela. <laughs> God. <laughs> so. To. The first sign that something was off was probably when Han, he, he went on Joe Rogan's show to let everyone know that he had embraced his daughter Michaela's all meat diet. See, Michaela suffered from rheumatoid arthritis, and it was severe enough that she had to have her right hip and ankle replaced at age seventeen. And then she started like, so in in order to combat that and her fatigue and her cystic acne, like she started taking, uh, cutting all of her, all of everything but meat out of her diet. And eventually like when she, after some experimentation, wound up figuring out that like all of her problems were solved by eating nothing but meat and salt and sparkling water. Yep. And so she began promoting that as a health cure for everybody and selling uh, one-on-one consultations, much like her dad had done for people who were having trouble with her all meat diet. Uh, And then Jordan Peterson goes on Joe Rogan and he's like, I've been doing this and quote, I lost 50 pounds. My appetite has probably fallen by 70%. I don't get blood sugar dysregulation problems. I need way less sleep. Uh, He claimed that his depression and anxiety were gone, that his mind was sharp and my gum disease is gone. Like what the hell?
5: (laughs) Yeah. I agree, Jordan. What the hell?
4: (laughs) He also told everybody that one time he had a cider and it made him not sleep for like two months. And then when people pointed out that it was impossible to do that, he was like, well, I guess, you know, obviously I slept at points, but like it wasn't well. And like, like, dude, (laughs) cider isn't going to like Jordan.
5: Yeah. What is it like uh, an unavoidable, like sense of dread? He described it as, I think.
4: Yeah. You have severe anxiety and depression and you blamed it on a single drink of cider.
5: And like, and like cl- yeah. yeah, and Aww. also like just claiming, claiming like he literally like he claimed that he did not sleep. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. oh, I had trouble sleeping or this or that. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I did not sleep, um, which is not what happened. No, it's not. <laughs> I Jason wasn't there, but B. that's Peterson. not what happened.
4: It's definitely not what happened because you'd die. Yeah, because you would have died. You'd
5: die. You'd be a dead <laughs> <laughs> guy. You'd be a dead person.
4: You'd be a Herman Cain type. You'd be a Herman um, Cain
5: type. And Michaela <laughs> would be tweeting from your account about how you should <laughs> only eat meat. It's great. <laughs> She might drink be. cider, drink cider.
4: So, yeah, Peterson's health problems first surfaced in 2019. Uh, and this is when his family announced that he had like gone to rehab in upstate New York. Uh, Michaela claimed that he'd been prescribed uh, clonazepam, um, which is a benzo yeah. uh, in 2017, which was due to a severe autoimmune reaction to food, which might have been like that cider thing. I don't really know. Um, and he his dose was increased after his wife was diagnosed with very severe kidney cancer in April of 2019. And obviously that's an incredibly stressful thing to do. And if you're yeah. a guy who's already prone to anxiety and depression, your beloved wife getting diagnosed with a very serious cancer is going to fuck you up. It's going to like ruin you for a yeah. while. Like, yeah. obviously, like any person would be in the same thing. But um, and so Jordan went on medication for it um, and it became a problem for him and he wound up having withdrawal symptoms. And he will claim that he was only ever sort of like chemically addicted to it because um, he didn't really understand what it would do to him um and he went to rehab it didn't work obviously like this uh this as as kind of in a video that she later published michaela and jordan noted how like bad that being you know diagnosed as having a drug addiction would be for her dad's brand um because you know he talks about how you've got to like that that's a weakness that you can rid from yourself um but yeah uh
5: kind of messed up that that happened yeah, yeah um, and, but also at the same time it's like yeah like it's okay to Appear, I get quote unquote yeah. weak and like if struggle. Like, yeah. yeah, if you're not a person who advocates the things that Jordan
4: Peterson advocates, then you could be like, oh yeah, I mean, dude, like your fucking wife got cancer. Of course, like, they, like some shit. Like, that's the most normal thing in the world that like you develop a problem. Like, of course, no shame, dude. Like, deal with your yeah. like, like we're supportive of you. We care about you. Obviously, this is a hard time, yeah, but that's help not
5: help you. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, so it's not what he ha- subscribes to. It's not what he uh uh tells people that they need to do. Uh, otherwise they're failing yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Um, I mean, it's the same thing with his, uh, his rule about uh, don't ever let your child do something that uh, displeases yeah. you or whatever. And like Michaela's like dating, like a, like literally a pickup artist. He, uh, she's dating the pickup
4: artist is, who believe that he is inhabited by a demon named Igor. Yep. We'll talk about Michaela's relationship and just a spell. Oh, here. thank goodness.
5: Um, okay. I apologize. Yeah.
4: So a lot of bad things continued to happen to Peterson uh, by August or September of like 2019. He was in bad enough shape that his family was like more worried about him than his wife, who was dying of cancer. Um, he tried to quit cold turkey a couple of times and that had not worked. And if you try to quit a drug addiction and like it doesn't work out, it kind of makes it harder to quit in the future. Um, detoxes harder as a result of that and stuff. So he was in a really bad situation. Um, and like, he also may have had some like very rare kind of reactions to uh, clonazepam that like aren't common. But anyway, he was, he was like all fucked up and he was also couldn't get off of this medicine. Um, and Michaela developed who for some reason was in charge of his healthcare at this point, uh, even though she's a not, competent to really do much of anything. I would argue based on her advocation of eating nothing but meat and salt. Um, She wound up in charge and she decided that they needed a, a a, a medical treatment or a medical specialist who had the guts to detox him cold Turkey uh, in a place where doctors quote, aren't influenced by the pharmaceutical companies. So she traveled to Russia um, (laughs) where they did a very unrecommended process where they basically uh, gave him a medical induced coma in order to quit him cold turkey, um, which is not a, a good idea. Um, he had to be on a breathing machine. He got pneumonia. It was just like this horribly traumatic physical process that probably did permanent damage to his brain.
5: Um, cause it's bad for you. Yeah. It's bad to do that. Yeah. It seems like, like people yeah. try to avoid being in comas, um, and doing that kind of thing, uh, generally. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, good luck.
4: Yeah, it it doesn't seem to have been great. Um and yeah, obviously Michaela has like blamed all of this on uh western medicine, blames the pneumonia on a North American hospital. Um and it's uh yeah. That's I thought West
5: was it, best. That's weird. Yeah.
4: In the words of the New Republic, Michaela is essentially weaving her own hero's journey into her father's ordeal, one in which she brought him to a far-flung clinic that had the guts to do what Western doctors wouldn't. It's a tale that burnishes her brand as a wellness influencer and shoves aside awkward questions about whether the treatment harmed Peterson. Uh, and shortly after that article came out, the news broke that she'd taken them both to Serbia to go to clubs uh, during the COVID shutdown with her husband mm-hmm. um, and had given her dad COVID-19, and he had gotten mm-hmm. very sick. Uh And he's probably alive still, but the pictures that he's been in recently don't look good. (laughs) Like he's not well. He's not well. He's not looking great. Um, Mm -hmm. He does seem to still be alive. Um, He does seem to still be alive. Maybe he'll recover enough to come back and and do his thing again, but he hasn't yet. He hasn't yet. Um, Um, I've
5: been been sort of uh, curious about it too. I've been like waiting because it's like, yeah, he's going through a really hard time and like
0: all -hmm.
5: this stuff. Uh, And part of me is like, okay, so after about a year, um, he will reemerge, uh, and it'll be some, it'll be like a, a spiritual awakening, reinvigoration, some sort of thing. Like I, like I always felt like this will be used to sort of push the cult stuff and mm-hmm. like his, his position, um, and people's view of him as, as the sort of, uh, savior um, I, I don't know if that's still going to happen because uh, it does yep. seem like he just keeps getting sick and sick and sick for real reasons Yeah,
4: um, the, the hard thing is like is he actually going to get better or has he like been permanently damaged in such a way that he won't be able to continue doing the stuff that he was doing like I, right. I just don't think we
5: really know yeah there's no yeah I, I can't I can't tell it's just, it was always like a worry in the back of my mind but now it's like I have no idea uh, how he's doing or if yeah what his daughter's going to try to do to him next yep Yep. Something. Who Her pickup artist yep. boyfriend. Uh, also yeah, Peterson. I wanted to read a
4: quote from oh, her that okay. she wrote about right. her and her pickup artist husband. Um, Beautiful. Life is complicated. When Andre and I met, we argued about Stalin all night. I think he's been brainwashed he disagrees and accuses me of the same he told me he had to immigrate after the wall fell and his family had to start again in Canada he told me he'd been shot at as a kid he has black belts, he practices sword work he scared me, he told me he had a demon inside him named Igor, it didn't seem like a joke he didn't wasn't like anyone I'd met and I didn't know what to make of it I got pregnant with Scarlet after 8 months of dating this strange Russian man, it was terrifying we decided to have her, I couldn't bear any other thought and we got married, despite intense pressure from his family, they think I'm a cult leader smiley face with a halo (laughs) We separated about a year after Scarlett was born. It was awful. It was me, really. I ran, and of course, she's back together with him now. And uh, they gave their dad or her dad uh, COVID COVID from from clubbing.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's just all.
4: It's just a wild place. Um,
5: Yeah, wild times for the Petersons. Uh, You can find on YouTube. You can find him uh, in a lecture talking about how pickup artists are psychopaths. Um, Yeah, if you want to check that out. But. um, He, his
4: brain might not be functional anymore because of all of the horrible damage his daughter did to it because he couldn't bear the thought of just like going through the kind of detox treatment that, that other people do like it's Jordan Peterson. So he had to go through some like weird Russian thing. <laughs> like, like he couldn't, yeah. he couldn't just like go to a thing and be like, yeah, I have a problem. Like, and I can't deal with it on my own. I need help. other people's help. Like, help no, I need, <laughs>
5: Right, it's a yeah. weird it's like a weird like conflict too because like there's a part like I, I don't want I don't wanna go uh the Western way and like I don't wanna go and say I need help. Can you help me? How do I like uh fight this? Um he's going like the self-induced coma in a way is like I'm doing it myself. Uh but but like it's not, it's like you're you're not doing it yourself you're not you're not standing up straight you're not keep you're not doing the posture thing you're not cleaning your own room you're letting other people do it i don't know there's, there's a weird conflict there with his uh his views that's not uh unexpected with him so I'm, yep. I'm not, i don't know why i'm surprised it's just everything he does is very interesting yep and in contrast with his book based off of uh him answering questions on Cora, it's good stuff well, that's our episode, Cody.
4: <laughs> Jordan B. Uh, Peterson is—I don't know—hard to say where he is, but not in a great place. But he's also not doing the stuff he was doing before that I don't like. So, whatever. It's,
5: it's real, yeah. Real mixed bag there. Um, I, I wish, would say, I, yeah. I wish him well, um, generally, because I wish generally everybody well. Yeah, Compass- I compassion would like is him important, to not, as we discussed. Yeah.
4: I wish um, that his daughter would not no longer have any say over his health care because she seems bad at it.
5: Yeah. She's very clearly like damaging to to him. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Uh, not her not fe- her feminine chaos has shattered yeah, his yes, order. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he gave, he gave, he gave her his order and she, she brought chaos to him. Yeah. Uh, chaotic, uh, not helpful hands uh, that he's in right now. Um, yep. But also, and then, yeah, it's um, he's not doing the thing. I hope, part of me is like if he stops doing if he gets better maybe maybe he'll stop doing this stuff yeah uh, maybe after getting better i don't know um i i do think he'll i I do think like yeah he's probably gonna like uh, buy Mm -hmm. that church still
4: Mm -hmm.
5: yeah Um, maybe he'll yeah maybe he'll be the be the church guy um i just want him to write a novel so we can all see the things that he really believes uh without the office yeah just getting language
4: yeah, let's let's have him write a novel, like every public figure should be forced to do. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so, you got anything to plug, Cody?
5: Um, uh, Maps of Meaning. Um, okay, I, I do. I would like to promote the Chaos Dragon, uh, which is another word for women. Am I right, fellas? Um, no, um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, Sophie's shaking her head, but I was doing a Peterson bit. I should have done the voice. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> You can find me on Twitter, on Dr. Mr. Cody. And uh, on the other socials, I've got a show called Some More News on YouTube and a podcast called Even More News. I also co-host with Robert and my uh, other co-host, Katie Stoll, uh, Worst Year Ever. On iHeartRadio. Radio, Woo. And I also would like to promote the first episode of this. Listen to the first episode before you listen to this one. Great call. It's over now.
4: Well, that's kind of an uh-huh. extremist point, but okay, Cody. Uh, you know, go yeah. off. Um, yeah. I think you should listen to whatever in whatever order. In fact, just randomly queue up random audio from the entire human history of recording things and never know what you're going to listen to that's the best way some real to real chaotic to
5: womanly energy there wow you're just you.
6: such a visionary robert i just don't know
5: <laughs> thank you <how> <laughs> thank you i that. hope you start some sort of like organization where uh people can follow your every word unquestionably yeah no
4: it, it'll be great and we'll um you know we'll get raytheon on the phone and um yeah. i do equipment. have them
6: on speed dial at this point because they call so yeah. much you know.
4: Yeah, that's it's important. I mean, it's important because I don't know you. You all probably agree with this. It's not very controversial to say these days. Every yeah. American family needs one of the fine Lynx armored personnel carriers made by Raytheon right. to enable. Both troops to deploy into the battlefield and uh, enact a maximum of deadly force upon their enemies and enable you to deploy to the Walmart and enact a maximum amount of deadly force upon your enemies. Raytheon enables all of that with its wonderful products. And their savings. Mm-hmm. What a savings. Yes, go to Raytheon.com slash BTB and enter promo code I don't care very much about international arms embargoes and you'll get 15% off your next Lynx armored personnel vehicle or your next Hellfire missile guidance system.
5: That means they're affordable now.
6: Mm-hmm. Ridiculous.
5: <laughs> that, that 15% really yeah. makes a difference. It's really going really gonna, really gonna to yeah. make a difference. Uh,
4: mm-hmm.
6: Is the episode okay. over? I'm very tired. Yes. <laughs> the
4: it's, it's, it's very
6: done. Great job, guys. You
0: guys are amazing. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18+. plus.
5: Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on AE Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to